0: This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunyos.com. Welcome to (laughs) Story Over Everything, Episode 19, Elite Elegy. So I'm going to be talking about uh, a couple things. This is a... uh, Fabula Machina, or Story Machine, uh, episode of Story Over Everything. I'm going to be sharing with you an update on my writing projects, and then I will be talking to you about a story idea I came up with. You can use it as a prompt if you want to for your own writing, or just something to think about. I actually uh, came up with an idea on my own and made it into a prompt, and then I processed the prompt through a little something something and i'll share with you the results of that in a little bit so getting back to the first part of this i'm going to talk about my updates on my writing projects so i have the grow bug series of books uh it's five children's picture books all inspired by tokusatsu that'd be godzilla ultraman super sentai kamen writer and uh digimon and uh because that's the sort of thing I'm into, and I thought I'd like to have cool children's picture books about these, so I wrote five books, and I'm pretty satisfied with them. I've continued to tweak them, and I even came up with an idea for a for a uh, bigger book that encompasses these five stories of the five like hero bugs. Well, a grow bug is a basically a guardian angel that helps children. To be protected from and saved from dangers in the night of uh, various types there's supernatural basically supernatural challenges or foes that they face they're not all the same thing um they're all various types of dangers that kids face and they have different purposes and different causes and different goals but ultimately they all victimize children in order to benefit themselves and because of that, I recently developed the name for them, which is Hobnot, kind of like hobgoblin. Uh, the phrase hob is an old term, not an old English, old French, old German, and it refers to uh, basically like a night terror. So, um, at one point, early, early on in my drafts of some of these stories, I had thought about calling them terrors or figments or you know, you know, night nightmares, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightmares, things like that, which I still think is a fun idea, but um, I've generally called them now all hobnots, and I, like I said, I developed that word recently, and they're explorers in the night who explore, uh, terror, sort of, of children, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a cool set of books, and, uh, like I said, I'm working on them in as I've developed my uh, larger manuscript that goes into the, uh, like, well, e- each book is basically told from the perspective, well, it's not really from the perspective of the child, but it's told um, what the child is, the hero, the main character, they're the focus, and it's they're all told in third person, and the grow bugs make appearances in the books, and they're helping to save the day, but they're not 100% what the book's about it's about how these children with the help of these grow bugs can overcome these things and I as I spent more time thinking about these stories I thought oh I'd kind of like to explore what's it like for the grow bugs in this you know if I'm creating this world with multiple books kids in different places all being negatively affected by these hobnots then what is you know What's the deal with that? Why do they exist? Why do the grow bugs exist? Who set this up? And uh, as I'm a believer in a divine power and a divine source, I decided to include that as an aspect of my storytelling. And I have the idea that basically, like I said, these things are guardian angels, but I, I kind of meant that literally that they're sent by God, uh, whoever He is, in your estimation, because I, you know, leave it vague and open for interpretation, uh, for, uh, you know, and he sends these things out in order to protect innocent children, which I think is a cool thing, but, uh, basically what I've been doing is rewriting each of the five bug books with the five bug guardians who are the heroes, or, you know, helpers in those books, uh, in the a, have been rewriting those stories from their perspective, and I've been inserting those into this overall story I have of a fresh group of Growbug cadets who are training and being raised to grow up and be either a uh, soldier support or like a seer prophet type of... Uh, like they, they differentiate and specialize down into different groupings that all have different strengths they've you know have things in common that they share but they have different strengths that distinguish them from each other and enable them to do different things together uh and when they work together they can accomplish a lot more so i have kind of this militaristic vibe to it where they're you know guardians they're called guardians keepers and seers and the guardians fight the terrors. The seers kind of handle calms between groups of uh, <laughs> between groups of grow bugs, as well as seeing when a kid is in danger, and needs help, and dispatching the guardians to help them with that. And the keepers awful, offer offer uh, I guess you could say vital support to their fellow grow bugs. So they you know raise food, they raise the kids, they might have healing magic or powers and things like that, so that they can help injured, you know, guardians, or seers, or, you know, whoever, among their ranks. And that's, uh, kind of the idea I have, and I've just, as I've developed that idea, uh, for this book that collects their stories, uh, and has an overall narrative, which I call Growbug Tales, I have had to go back and revise the other Growbug books, because as I've learned more about the I don't know, society and culture and, you know, character of these various grow bug characters, I've had to go back, or I've taken the opportunity to go back and inform specifically, uh, some details in the books, uh, the individual books of the, uh, you know, the kid and the grow bug. That's my little code name for those five grow bug picture books. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that work, and I've enjoyed the process. And uh, I've learned a lot along the way. I've kind of talked about that already. What I learned from writing these grow bug books, the the grow bug picture books, in rapid succession. So I won't go over that, but I will uh, let you know that you can find that in the uh, the catalog of the Story Over Everything episodes. So if you're curious, you can go ahead and find that. <clears throat> That and more is at MJMunoz.com. And I would like to continue by saying that... The progress of where I'm at is I am in... I'm on the third Growbug retelling. And for whatever reason, or, you know, Growbug... in the Growbug book retelling in this story. And basically I've decided to have these, you know, Growbug cadets being raised up and trained in whatever in various ways they're being trained physically and they have to accomplish tasks and you know cultivate discipline and uh strength and toughness and things like that through life experience but i also believe in story as a vehicle for change and i believe in story as a platform for education and uh well just you know I think stories are really important so I have this kind of like oral tradition type thing going on here where the idea is as part of their training the young grow bugs get to hear war stories basically from older grow bugs and learn lessons from them. So I'm uh you know having the heroes of these grow bug books tell their stories firsthand and the first two are pretty straightforward in this the third one that I'm working on uh I decided I would, well, the, the actual—it's the longest grow bug uh, kid in the grow bug book I have so far. Like, it's really long. It's I think two thousand words or something like that, maybe uh, closer to twenty-five hundred, which is not the standard length for a children's picture book at all. It's you know quite long in comparison to what is regularly done today. Which I think I've seen recently four to five hundred words. Uh, I thought a year or two ago that it was eight hundred to a thousand words, and Anyway, I've safely doubled that, so I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But, uh, I actually had so much of the story involve the kid herself and so little of it involving the grow bug that I decided I'm going to... Well, I'm still undecided as to how I'm going to tell that story, but I have maybe even a, another book that I could, you know, short story that I could spin off telling the story of this grow bug trying to infiltrate this, uh this barrier let me just put it that way barrier blocking her from getting to the kid and and helping her so and it's been pretty interesting and it's funny how much i'm figuring all this out as i go along and as i'm figuring this out i'm trying to figure out how to turn myself into a successful author and i keep hearing email 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 building an email list is the thing you want to do and it's a key to success and it's old and it's not Spicy or alluring or hip or in or on trend or anything like that. You know, uh, TikTok is the current thing. That's a big deal, and you know who knows how soon that may change. Apparently, they're going to be starting their own uh, publishing imprint called Eighth Note Publishing, and uh, you know who knows what's going to happen there. So, you know, platforms come and go, social media comes and goes, but if you have an email list, you know, email is a protocol, basically. The protocol will not come and go. <laughs> the protocol has been here for... It's, you know, 2023 as I say this. Uh, what's email been around for? 40 years? Since the... Probably 1990. So we go... 90 to 2000, 2010 to 20... Okay. 30... 33 years. Let's say email's been around. I think it's actually older than that. But, you know, more widely in use is... Uh, you know, the 30 years might be about right. Anyway. Uh, that protocol will change and will permutate through different things, but it'll stay the same and it'll keep working. It'll keep being used. And so I took two uh, short online courses, classes, introductions uh, to email list building, uh, guides to email list building from two different uh, individuals uh, or organizations. I won't be specific. I won't name, but I'll just call them uh, party A and party B. I found it interesting that... Well, I found both party A and party B's explanation of why you need the email list and and how important it is to cultivate that and grow it and, you know, use that to sell your books to those people uh, on your email list and then, uh, you know, sell them subsequent books in your series or direct them to new books that you're writing. And, again, I thought this was, you know, fascinating interesting and the presentation from both uh, parties was well done and... uh, it was enlightening and it really made me feel motivated to, uh, to go ahead and get started on building up my email list. And something that I like that they both said, or not that, well, I mean, it's affirming to me, so it feels comfortable, therefore I liked it, right? Uh, is that even if you don't have a book out now, it is prudent to go ahead and start assembling a reading list or an email list, start building your email list so that when you're ready to launch your books, you can send your books to you can send the announcement of your launch to people on your email list and that's great. And there was a, a, one of the in one of the courses there was a method shared for increasing your increasing eyes on your books and turning that into more people to subscribe and then turning those subscribers into people who turn around and give you greater exposure. And it was this really interesting cycle using email sequencing, you know, where you can actually set up your emails so that when somebody subscribes to whatever list you have, and you can have various lists too, that you can have... A track for them to go on basically where they get the same everybody gets the same sequence of emails in the same order you know sequentially from when they join with you and I thought that was really neat especially with how uh, one of the authors was talking about how to leverage that and use that in part to create yourself a wider you know, base of readers potential audience and people to uh, to buy your book and again turn other people onto your stuff as well. So very interesting. Uh I do have a preference for one person's presentation or one for one party's presentation over the others, but that doesn't matter to you. Uh, but something else that I found interesting is that the way I got notified of these is that I was somehow on an email list for both these people. And party B I had been on their email list for a while because I had chosen I'd elected to do that for about a year. I I think they, like, a guest emailed or guest posted on another party's, you know, party C, on party C's email flyer, Bolton, whatever, that I'm part of. So, you know, I believe that the whole email thing can work because it's working on me. These people are literally using their list and their email process to get me interested in uh, what they're providing and uh honestly both of them finished with a sales pitch and one sales pitch was more attractive than the other but again that doesn't matter and I didn't buy either but one I definitely heavily well the first one I heard I thought well let me wait to see what party b will say and what their sales pitch is going to be because I feel like they're probably going to have a sales pitch too and uh Again, there's nothing wrong with that. They're creating funnels, they're creating contacts, they're trying to get themselves in front of customers to support their livelihood. And that's exactly what I wanna do. So I'm trying to learn from them. And it's just, it's been a very interesting process trying to learn this. And I have resources from both of them that they offered for free. And I will look at those, review them, and try to implement them and, uh, eventually set up my own, you know, please sometimes within a month or two, uh, set up my own email list and start building that up so that when I am ready to publish, I'll have people to go to and, um, people to get reviews from and such. Uh, that's just part of the plan. So anyway, there's that aspect of, of this episode, this edition of story Over everything. So, I want to go ahead and move away from that now and talk about going to uh, the Fabula Machina section. And uh, again, this, um, I, this is created by me. Don't be confused because I'm going to be using ChatGPT3 later and you'll hear from that. Uh, but I did all this work myself, this first bit of work myself. So I want to come over the story with keywords. I actually came up with these keywords after the fact, but I'm going to operate a little differently going forward. Uh, The keywords are war, decentralized, peace, anti-war, law, and justice. So those are keywords or key concepts in this story. And I put those all together into a prompt, I guess you could call it, called Elite Elegy, and this is what it is. Communications tech is no longer able to be censored. Nearly a dozen Heads of state have been arrested and executed for war crimes they have ordered. A decentralized network of hackers and computer engineers orchestrated these events under the direction of an eclectic group of grassroots activists with one goal uniting them depower the oligarchs. So, Elite Elegy can be taken in multiple directions. What would you do with these ideas? What would you do with this prompt? Uh, I would turn Elite Elegy into an action thriller story of revenge called Cyber Wolf. And here's my pitch. Real quick, short pitch. A veteran and his team are tasked with capturing the government officials who lied their country into war under false pretenses. How did that get discovered? Well, because of the leaks done by the hacking group and whatnot. So here's the synopsis of that story that I I came up with. I've never done this. I've never come up with a character for this before, so this was all fresh for me today. Guadalupe... Yeah, Guadalupe Guerrero was almost ready to put the past behind him. The war had cost his brother his life and him and I. He rested, recovered, and then kept moving. He found work with a private security firm a good fit. It still hurt, but he kept moving until the leaks destroyed his life for a second time. It had all been a lie. Classified documents openly admitted it. Private messages that were supposed to have been scrubbed and destroyed were found and clear for all to see. The war had been a lie, not a mistake, but a fabrication. Guadalupe and Rigo, his brother, uh, had believed in the cause. They wanted to be heroes, but they had been pawns. The politicians tried to bury it, but they couldn't. The truth stayed out, and the people demanded justice. Guadalupe wanted revenge. The guilty fled and dug into fortified positions meant to protect them. Guadalupe pulled pulled every connection he could to get assigned to the extraction team. So that's what I had in mind. That's what I put together for this story. And uh, the name Cyberwolf and some other ideas for this story... I had worked on, or come up with, I don't know, a year or two ago, and just kind of logged it in my memory. I logged in some notes, I couldn't find them today, but I worked off of what I had memorized, and I just kind of wrote this fresh new approach, and I gave him a name, and gave his brother a name, and that's the work I did on it today. Now, I asked ChatGPT3 to spin Elite Elegy into 10 different book proposals, and this is what it gave me. And these, I have not read any of these, I skimmed over them to make sure they're all short. So they're all just like a couple sentences. And it came up with a title. <laughs> it came up with a title for each one and a uh, genre or subgenre for it. So here we go. Book 1, Unsilenced Revolt, Dystopian Thriller. Synopsis, in a dystopian future, communication technology becomes impossible to censor. A charismatic hacker and her team leverage this newfound power to expose the war crimes committed by heads of state. As they execute their plan, they encounter unexpected challenges and face grave consequences in their quest to dismantle the reign of the oligarchs. (laughs) Okay, so, I don't know who the lady is, if it just decided to pick a gender sex, whatever, and say, this is a man, this is a woman, whatever, so we'll see if it ping-pongs back and forth, or oh, I at at some point, because I asked it to kind of do an outline w- with the prompt that I made, um, and Guadalupe is both a man's name and a woman's name, because that's the way it works for some reason. Uh, I guess it's gender neutral because the the way it ends, but, like, it sounds like a woman's name, and, you know, doesn't everybody have a Thia, thia Lupe? Anyway, uh, so moving on to book two whispers of justice which is a political drama synopsis when a communications tech no sorry when communications tech becomes uncensored a whistleblower leaks classified documents revealing the war crimes committed by powerful heads of state as public outrage grows a determined investigative journalist races against time to uncover the truth and bring the uh, perpetrators to justice facing threats and obstacles along the way sounds pretty cool actually um book three invisible strings which is a techno thriller synopsis a brilliant computer engineer creates a revolutionary central or decentralized network capable of bypassing censorship as this network gains popularity a mysterious group of hackers joins forces to expose the war crimes of heads of state the engineer finds herself caught in a dangerous web of intrigue and must protect her invention from those who seek to control it i had no idea it would be an invention and in fact i kind of think that violates the principle of it being decentralized but you know it's trying maybe the protocol maybe she's got some sort of device that she uses you could come up with something to justify that if you wanted to work with that in fact which you know i'm not ready to at this point all right number four shadows of retribution this is an action-packed adventure Synopsis A retired special forces operative, yeah boy, haunted by the war crimes he witnessed, oh yeah, is drawn into a mission of vengeance orchestrated by a decentralized network of activists and hackers. With an eclectic team at his side, he embarks on a globe trotting journey to hunt down and bring the heads of state to justice, facing perilous encounters and personal demons along the way. Yeah, I would read that. That sounds super cool. (laughs) Uh, Book five, Echoes of Freedom, which is science fiction synopsis. Set in a futuristic society where communication technology cannot be censored, a group of rebels uh, fights against an oppressive government. Utilizing their technological skills and a decentralized network, they expose the war crimes of the heads of state, sparking a revolution that will change the course of history and determine the fate of humanity. Book six, Web of shadows. This is a psychological thriller. Synopsis. A brilliant but reclusive computer programmer discovers the uncensored is it could be a girl girl again? The uncensored nature of communication technology. Discovers the uncensored nature of communication technology. Obsessed with justice, he manipulates the decentralized network to expose the war crimes committed by heads of state as he delves deeper into the dark web. He becomes entangled in a psychological game of cat and mouse that blurs the lines between truth and deception. <laughs> That's so cool. Book 7, Code of Resistance. Political suspense. Political suspense, huh? Synopsis. A disillusioned political aide stumbles upon evidence of war crimes while researching a high-profile scandal. She teams up with a group of activists and hackers who utilize the decentralized network to reveal the truth. As they face relentless opposition from powerful figures, they must navigate a dangerous landscape of politics and espionage to dismantle the oligarch's hold on power. Chapter 8, Whistleblower's Redemption. Legal thriller. (laughs) I don't know why, but that sounds like a romance novel title to me. Anyway, synopsis. A jaded lawyer takes on a seemingly impossible case when a whistleblower exposes the war crimes of heads of state. As she fights against powerful forces in the courtroom, she uncovers a network of of activists and hackers who have orchestrated the exposure. With her reputation and life on the line, she seeks justice and redemption against all odds. Book 9, Hacktivist Uprising, Young Adult Adventure. Synopsis, in a near-future world where communication tech is uncensored, a teenager with exceptional hacking skills discovers evidence of war crimes committed by heads of state. Alongside a diverse group of young activists and computer prodigies, they form a decentralized network to take down uh, the corrupt leaders. Their journeys become a thrilling coming-of-age adventure with high-stakes consequences. That actually sounds pretty okay. Um, That sounds pretty okay. I especially like the uh, idea of the people becoming the decentralized network, because I think that's how it'll work. Uh, if you, I am interested in that idea, if you didn't gather already. Uh, book 10, last and final, which is the same thing. Digital Anarchy, Cyberpunk Noir. Synopsis, in a gritty cyberpunk world, a street-savvy hacker with a dark past uncovers a conspiracy involving the heads of state and their war crimes. Teaming up with a mysterious group of underground rebels, they exploit the unfiltered... Communication tech to expose the truth as the lines blur between justice and revenge. They navigate a neon-lit underworld filled with corruption and danger. <laughs> neon-lit. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that actually sounds pretty okay, too. Uh, I have questions. Uh, it's a little vague, but, um, like, if you read synopsis, synopses of a lot of books, you can interpret that synopsis going different ways, and you could say, huh, I never imagined that that would happen in this book based on just the synopsis. Um... So, yeah, I thought those were pretty cool. I thought those were pretty cool indeed and uh, a lot of fun. And I mean, it's, you know, proof that I just like the power of writing, the power of creativ- creativity is that you can take any ideas. I basically just wanted like a veteran, like, a, you know, I have anti war outlook on life. Like, I would prefer for us not to get into useless, senseless wars and for young men and women to die for no reason, especially because it seems. Like, for the last, uh, I don't know, a couple decades, a few decades at least, if not more, in my country of origin, uh, the bloodshed has been for the profit, (laughs) for the profit of few and for the detriment of all, or many, and, uh, the amount of blood spilled in the name of my country's foreign interests is revolting and repulsive to me, and I would love it to stop, and I want the truth to be able to be the thing that stops it, but, The truth doesn't always work like that. And uh, right now the truth is hidden. But I'm (laughs) aware of different protocols and uh, technologies that are being developed, being worked on, being explored right now that are going to change that. And the possibility of what could happen, what our future could look like in a world where the truth can't just be hidden by... The people it would hurt, by the evil people it would hurt, it excites me, and it brings me hope, and uh, it makes me long even more for justice. And, you know, I believe in the power of storytelling, and there's this mantra of support the troops, and I would argue that I'm supporting the troops by trying to not get them thrown into the meat grinder of endless, stupid, war on behalf of other people that they're tricked and fooled into and all sorts of things i was fooled into supporting wars that i now find evil and were fabricated and I've, i i'll stop there right now but um yeah this <laughs> the idea of creating a story with a character who you could empathize with who would learn the lesson of being lied into war learn to be cautious about that thing, and use the skill that they learn to bring the actual culprits, the actual villains in the case to justice. It feels very cathartic. Just saying that, I feel a little better. And, uh, you know, it's a fiction. It's not true. But if it could become a popular fiction, and it could stir the hearts of many people, what would they do? What would they learn? How would that affect their lives going forward? I don't know. But again, that's the power of storytelling that I'm interested in, and that I recognize, and that I feel myself being affected by, and yeah, that's why I wanted to share that with you, so anyway, I, this got weirdly personal, and I didn't mean it to, um, I don't know that that will happen all the time in story over everything, but, uh, you know, this is who I am, and these are the things that spark my interest, and these are the things that, uh, you know, this is my perspective on storytelling, so if you're into that, then I guess, you know, stick around for more. Um, Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. This went longer than I had expected, and I need to attend to other matters. So, until next time, this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around, you're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.